thank you very much. I'm very happy that uh, Dr. Carson came before me because I was asked uh, by our host just about two hours ago what I was going to speak on. I said, I'll think of something by the time <laughs> I get here. And now I know what ex exactly I'm going to uh, talk to you about. Uh, the first thing uh, in relation also to Dr. Carson is that I'm very happy that my son is not here today because he preceded me into South Africa on just such a program. You know, he's in the medical school now in Stanford, and uh, there's an organization which works with youths, just like uh, you know, most of you here. And they go to different places, and they induct the youth at the beginning of their career into uh, reality outside their strict discipline. And he was just, and he was in South Africa just uh, two weeks ago, and I uh, looked at my pocket and I felt I had enough to make him stay behind and wait for me and accompany me to this event. I am very happy that I did not, that uh, I encouraged him to return with the others. I'll tell you why. He, at the beginning, wanted to be a brain surgeon. And one of our relations, very close relations, uh, suffered from a brain tumor, and he was old enough to understand what was going on, and this is what made him decide to become, to go into the medical profession, and he wanted to be a brain surgeon. Eventually, he thought about it and decided, yes, he would still be in the medical profession, but he looked into how many years it took to become a brain surgeon and he decided that maybe he wanted to start his career, post-educational career, quicker than whatever I took to be a brain surgeon, which is very good for my pocket. Uh, uh, so if he had come here today and listened to you, I have a horrible feeling. I would go back and say, I made a mistake. I still want to be a brain surgeon. <laughs> so that's why I'm happy he's not here. Um, there's another point uh, which my thinking uh, takes off from what you said earlier, and I'll come to that in a moment. But let me say, uh, first of all, let me congratulate the, um, the Foundation, uh, Academy of Achievement Foundation, for this kind of project in which, of course, I very passionately believe. Uh, one of the rewards which we have uh, when we reach, even long before we reach this particular age, the reward is the knowledge that we are training others, that we, are, that we have a follow-up afterwards, and not merely in the classroom, but also in the wide world, to be able to boast uh, that we have succeeded by those who at least have taken a little uh, a snippet of what one passionately believes in, to be able to have encounters such as Dr. Carson has just narrated, total strangers who come up to you and say you have influenced my life, affected my life in some way, and you don't even remember who the hell they are. Uh, and I think this is one of the rewards of whatever uh, disciplinary uh, sacrifices we all go through. And I know all of you uh, later on will uh, hopefully remember this and be able to say to others, yes, this has been one of the rewards of uh, of my passage uh, through, through life. Now, you mentioned something about political correctness, and this uh, is fascinating that this subject should come up. Yesterday, as I was lying uh, nursing my toe uh, in bed, I decided to switch on 
the television and see what was happening in the world. And lo and behold, on CNN, I found that uh, the Africa Union had just passed, taken a decision supporting uh, a genocidal maniac called Omar uh, Bashir of the Sudan, supporting him in his defiance of the International Court of Justice. It is one of the uh, most depressing moments I've experienced in the past few months. Uh, it won't be long before we have uh, supporters of that kind of position attacking uh, Dr. Wangari, the Nobel uh, uh, Laureate for Peace, and Desmond Tutu, also the uh, Nobel uh, Laureate for Peace, uh, in association with whom a few weeks ago we issued a statement calling on Bashir and the uh, Africa Union to obey, to support the integrity, sustain the integrity of the International Court of Crimes Against uh, Humanity. Now, I happen to know that many of these heads of state with whom I have spoken are in total condemnation of this individual. They consider him a criminal. And a few years ago, in fact, uh, unable to, to sustain the affected ignorance of what was happening in the Sudan, they actually took a decision very quietly to deprive Omar Bashir the chairmanship of the Africa Union. Uh, just eased him out of that particular position administratively. So they know what the facts are. They know what the realities are in Darfur. They know that in uh, Sudan today we have about two and a half million refugees in peacetime, uh, just uh, scattered all over the place in tents, continuing victims of the Janjaweed, the surrogate genocidal uh, uh, stormtroopers of Omar Bashir and the Sudanese government. So it's not that they are unaware of this fact, but why do they come out with this kind of statement, this totally uh, illogical kind of statement, political correctness. Political correctness is going to be the undertaker not only of the African continent, but of the world. Political correctness, the refusal to name things the way they really are. I constantly call in mind the lines of Langston Hughes, the poem late Langston Hughes, who says, there's no lavender word for lynch. Uh, if a lynching is taking place, then for heaven's sake, don't deodorize it. Just call it a lynching. And what we're having in the Sudan today is a mass lynching. Uh, token uh, recognitions are made. We've done everything possible to sensitize the world uh, to what is happening in the Sudan. We have, for instance, uh, in, uh, in New York, about uh, three years ago, November, yeah, three years ago, uh, a mock trial, which was, however, it was symbolic, it was role play, you know, it was like uh, uh, theater, but it was deadly serious. It was opposite the United Nations uh, building. And the organizers, Genocide Watch, had taken a floor, just about uh, four stories high, so that the 
wide open window behind which we sat overlooked the flags. It was in the same level as the flags of the United Nations. Uh, so it was meant to represent a kind of pseudo United Nations trial. I was the unlikely judge for that event and Omar Bashir uh, was put on trial. Uh, we engaged the services of international jurists. The uh, Sudanese government was served through its embassy. Uh, of course, uh, Bashir didn't appear. So a judge, uh, a big a, a counsel was appointed for him, an international criminal jurist also. There was cross-examination, witnesses were flown directly, secretly of course, from the Sudan. There were refugees, journalists, NGOs, uh, doctors without uh, borders, all those who had witnessed at first hand the atrocities that were taking place in the Sudan. It, was, it lasted a day, it was recorded, the results were sent to the United Nations, etc., etc., all the various international organizations. And it was gratifying to notice that after, it, just about a year and a half after that trial, the International Court of Justice for Crimes Against Humanity took the same position as we took on that day. The facts are in, in, in public domain. Uh, even as we said, there are secret uh, indictments have been issued against certain top officials. The problem came when uh, the top man himself, the man who was guilty of giving the orders, of encouraging and in fact launching the Janjaweed against the fur people and certain other nationalities in the Sudan, the problem came when he himself became uh, a target, an eventual uh, uh, indictee of for crimes against humanity. And suddenly, there was a closing of ranks. Now, what we see on, on our side is this. We've had an African Secretary General of the United Nations. We've had a Director General that is in Africa, an African, a Ghanaian. We've had a Director General of UNESCO, an international organization, the Senegalese. We had various uh, individuals occupying top international positions. We've had a member of the International Court at The Hague, a Nigerian. And so the logic of it escapes some of us. How is it that you agree, you're honored, you feel flattered, you become a member of the world community when your own individuals occupy top positions in international organizations? Why then, when a member of your so-called family is fingered as a criminal, why, what is the application of double standards? See, this is where that mantra, that criminal, uh, cowardly mantra of political correctness uh, comes in. Oh, you know, this is a family affair. We've got to resolve it in a family way. It's a family problem. All the sickening excuses. Uh, and this is what makes some of us uh, enemies of the establishment. You watch the media, in a few days, the statement which we publicize and so on, will now be, oh yeah, these are Western uh, uh, brainwashed individuals, etc. Yeah, no, Kofi Annan wasn't brainwashed when he became Secretary General of the United uh, Nations, no. But come a time to identify those in your own family who are considered 
the white sheep, I wouldn't say the black sheep, is the usual expression, then it becomes a bit of a problem. However, uh, as my predecessor on this podium said, we cannot allow uh, these meaningless mantras like political correctness to deter us. Not when, as we have today, we witnessed the nitty-gritty of human existence at its most debased. And we have been proud to be associated with those individuals who, on their own, without state support, without the state resources, on their own are making an effort in their own small way to ameliorate the condition of our own uh, fellow human beings. As I said yesterday during uh, my two-hour torture by the uh, interviewer <laughs> uh, yesterday, as I said, I, there's one large human family and then there are subfamilies and for me those subfamilies are not defined by national boundaries. Uh, to accept that is to accept the non-existence of the human family. So if I have anything to say to you young people, it's just that, that uh, uh, there are certain families you cannot choose to be born into. You can be born into a family of uh, serial rapists, you can be born into a family of uh, brilliant brain surgeons, you cannot choose. But there are certain families which you make yourselves. And for me, that is my primary family. Thank you very much.